Amen. Let's give it up for our praise team again. I love these guys. Grace, mercy, and peace to you from God our Father and from our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. Amen. <clears throat> Once again, I'm going to say it. Each week I've been saying it. Happy Easter, my friends, because we are still in the season of Easter. We're, we're walking and we're living in the reality and the power of the resurrection of Jesus Christ. And we continue in this uh, season of Easter to focus on the momentum that started when Jesus rose from the grave and that momentum still continues to gain ground. That's our sermon series, Momentum. And I've been unpacking this definition each week or, or reminding of you. One definition of momentum is strength or force gained by motion or by a series of events. And that's what we're doing in this sermon series. We're looking at a series of powerful events, first starting with the most powerful event in the resurrection of Jesus, Easter. And then we're journeying through the book of Acts, seeing the early church expand and build momentum, event upon event upon event upon event. Right? The church started small with 12, and the church is now 2.3 billion Christians in the world. That's momentum, right? And part of the huge momentum growth that we get to see is another text in Acts chapter 8. And I love this text so much. It's one of my favorite texts in the whole Bible. When you study it, it's just so awesome, and it's humbling to see how God works. Uh, but first, before we get into that, I received some emails recently that got me thinking about our text for today. One of my kids had a birthday party a few weeks ago, and so we got some really cool balloons from Party City. Anyone ever done that before? I mean, this was this giant unicorn thing. I didn't even know they make these things like this, and it was awesome, right? But now that we got the balloons, and, you know, we're on the thing and on the list, I found out that I'm pretty important. I'm part of an exclusive club. You see the app there? It says right there, the email, it says, for exclusive savings, Okay. I'm part of the Cool Kids Club, exclusive savings just for me, this whole new group that I'm a part of, not like all the common people out there, I get to be part of this club, all right? I even got another email, uh, I'm part of the IHG Rewards Club, which I don't even know what that is, but the emails are coming, my name is on it, I even have an account number, but I blocked it out because I don't want you stealing my, 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 my deals here. But I apparently, as it says up there, I get exclusive low rates on last minute deals, unlike the rest of the sinners out there, all right? And uh, how about uh, this? You might remember back in the day, the members-only jackets, right? There's a tribute to Goonies right there, Kelly. I got you. All right? I used to have those members-only jackets, right? But think about that. Members-only? Members-only to what, right? What is that? But there are actually things where there are groups where you have to be a member, right, to be part of this thing, right? These groups are carefully curated groups of individuals with similar interests, and it makes them feel more privileged and maybe better than other people, and it's this sense of privilege that makes them exclusive members to whatever, right? And it's kind of enticing, and by sticking to stick, uh, stringent guidelines, these exclusive memberships ensure a level of quality and mystery with a sense of exclusivity, right? From members-only coffee bars to members-only social betterment groups to member-only boutique gyms, there are all sorts of exclusive groups for every interest out there in the world. And if you think about it, it's interesting what we as human beings do with this, right? Now, some of it's just marketing. Some of it's kind of innocent. Some of it's snobbery. Some of it's elitism. But it all sort of traces its way back to a broken humanity and our tendency to exclude others. 
And we do it for the sake of our own security or to make ourselves better or think we are better uh, than other people. And it seeps even in to religions. And this sort of self-centered exclusivity mentality even plagued the people of God in the Old Testament. They shut other people out. They were called to be a blessing to all nations and to all peoples, but the people of God instead often looked down on all other peoples, other nations, other, other countries, and they excluded them from the blessings of God. And so when Jesus comes on the scene, one of the biggest goals for him was to undo all of that exclusion. And we see that that mission trickled down to his, through his followers, and thank God it did, because we, none of us would be in the room here today if God didn't go about reversing that whole exclusivity thing. In fact, as we look at the word of God today, I hope you will be uh, filled with a sense of humility at how much God intentionally worked to go beyond the comfortable exclusivity of what had become Judaism at the time. He went far beyond that intentionally to include you and me in his kingdom, as his people, in his family, and part of his work and his mission in the world. So in Acts chapter 8, we're going to look at that today. If you brought your Bibles, open them up and check it out. It'll be on the screen too. Uh, we see the story of Philip and the Ethiopian. The story is almost unbelievable and unfathomable when you study it. It's a story full of hope, a story full of love. It's full of God's desire to include, not exclude. God's desire to bring people, including people, into his family, all people. So here's the context. In the beginning of chapter 8, uh, Saul had approved of the killing of Stephen, who was one of the seven. Some call him the seven deacons. And it says in Acts chapter 8, verse 1, that on that day, when Stephen was martyred for the faith, a great persecution broke out against the church in Jerusalem. And all except the apostles were scattered throughout Judea, and Samaria. Those who had been scattered preached the word wherever they went. Philip went down to a city in Samaria and proclaimed the Messiah there. When the crowds heard Philip and saw the signs he performed, they all paid close attention to what he said. And impure spirits came out of many, and many who were paralyzed were healed. There was great joy in that city. So from the start, we're seeing God use Philip, who was probably a Greek believer, and he wasn't one of the 12 disciples. He was one of the seven, like some called them, the, the deacons. He is preaching. This Greek believer is preaching to the Samaritans. Now, the Samaritans were kind of considered as half-breeds. These were the people the Jewish people hated. The Jewish people excluded them. The Jewish people thought that they were better than the Samaritans. And here Philip is bringing them God's love and bringing them into, including them in God's family. But it gets even better. God's inclusivity, inclusivity would be demonstrated in Philip's ministry even more beyond that. That's where our text at 26 starts today. It says, An angel of the Lord said to Philip, Go south to the road, the desert road, that goes down from Jerusalem to Gaza. So he's saying, you got to go south from Samaria. Samaria, he's doing great things there. But in the midst of doing great things for God in Samaria, God called him to a desert road. So a little side sermon on here. Sometimes God calls you from something that's going really well in your life to something that is unknown. In Samaria, 
right? He's doing great things. He's uh, doing miracles, and he's preaching, and lives are being changed. He's u- being used by God in a powerful ro- way, and now God wants him to go to a road in the desert. I mean, he might be like, God, what are you doing to me? But nevertheless, he went. He followed God. Verse 27 says he started out. And on his way, he met an Ethiopian eunuch, an important official in charge of all the treasury of the Kandake, which means queen of the Ethiopians. This man had gone to Jerusalem to worship. And now this is where we start to see God kicking it up a notch when it comes to including all people. An Ethiopian eunuch. Different skin color, different culture, different language, and he was a eunuch. And most eunuchs were forced to be the way they were, unjustly subjugated. And even in Deuteronomy, it says that people like them shall not even enter the assembly of the Lord. Right? Talk about exclusivity. He went to Jerusalem to worship, but could not enter the temple area. 8, verse 28, on his way home, and on his way home, he was sitting in his chariot, reading the book of Isaiah the prophet. The spirit told Philip, go to that chariot and stay near it. Then Philip ran up to the chariot. I love how Philip, he's, he's active, he's going. He ran up to the chariot, heard the man reading Isaiah the prophet. Do you understand what you are reading? Philip asked. Well, how can I? He said, unless someone explains it to me. So he invited Philip to come up and to sit with him. And this is the passage of scripture the eunuch was reading. It comes from Isaiah chapter 53 verses 7 and 8, okay? Remember Isaiah 53. He was led like a sheep to the slaughter, and as a lamb before its shearers is silent, so he did not open his mouth. In his humiliation he was deprived of justice. Who can speak of his descendants? For his life was taken from the earth. The eunuch asked Philip, tell me, please, who is the prophet talking about, himself or someone else? All right, so why was the Ethiopian man so interested in those verses, right? First of all, this person was deprived of justice. A eunuch knows what that is. Who can speak of his descendants? A eunuch was unable to have descendants. And lived in a culture where having descendants, having children, having a lot of them, it meant everything to your identity. And it's something that he would never have. And you'd always be an outcast in that way, excluded. Culturally different too, excluded. An Ethiopian, excluded. An African, excluded. And so he's drawn to these prophetic words because he knows. He knows humiliation. He knows what it means to be deprived of justice. He knows what it is to have no descendants. He felt a connection to those words, and he's asking, were they about Isaiah? Were they about someone else? Were they about someone like me? Philip had an answer for him. In some ways, this person was like the Ethiopian. And Isaiah was ultimately talking about Jesus. Verse 35, Philip began with that very passage of Scripture and told him the good news about Jesus. The good news about Jesus that included the Great Commission. It had to include it. Verse 19, we all know this. Go and make disciples of what? All nations. That includes Ethiopian eunuchs. 
baptizing them in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit. And we, we pretty much know that Philip told him about this gift to all nations, all Gentiles, all peoples, inclusion, not exclusion. We know it because of verse 36, what follows. As they traveled along the road, they came to some water. The eunuch said, look, here's water. What can stand in the way of my being baptized? I mean, you've got to love this text. He's like, let's do this right now. I don't want to wait any longer to be included in this family, in this kingdom. I don't want to wait any longer to get this gift. And a little side sermon too, if that's you, if you've not been baptized yet, talk to me after the, after the service. Let's not wait another year. Let's get that done quickly and soon, okay? But verse 38, and he gave orders to stop the chariot. Then both Philip and the eunuch went down into the water. Philip baptized him. So in Jerusalem, right, he went to worship God, but because he was a eunuch, he couldn't enter the temple area, excluded. Not even the court of Gentiles, excluded. But now on this desert road, God, the creator of the universe, sent Philip. I mean, God went to great lengths to send one of his messengers to make sure that the whole world would know that God is calling, God is including all people, not excluding. Philip, his messenger, a messenger of truth and grace, God brought the temple. God brought his presence. God brought his very name and power and authority to the Ethiopian man on a desert road through Philip. God was saying to the Ethiopian man, I want you to be in my family. All others are excluding you, but I'm including you, my son. You're my child. You're part of this family. You're part of this kingdom. I'm going to do great things through you. I mean, he's so in awe. He's like, why shouldn't I be baptized? Verse 39, when they came up out of the water, the spirit of the Lord suddenly took Philip away. The eunuch did not see him again. But he went on his way rejoicing. Philip's gone, but the eunuch goes on his way rejoicing. He's no longer excluded. No longer excluded as an Ethiopian eunuch. He was included as a baptized child of God, a citizen in the kingdom of God. He went on his way rejoicing. And I'm sure that he also went on his way on that long journey back to his homeland. He probably was praying. He was probably uh, thinking about everything that Philip told him about Jesus, replaying it over and over in his mind. He was probably celebrating his baptism, uh, rethinking about it, how it went, experiencing it, running it over and over in his mind. And he probably kept reading the Isaiah scroll, right? Now, who knows, maybe Philip already fast-forwarded it for him and, and read through Isaiah 53 and to the end or whatever, but maybe he didn't. Maybe he, sitting in the chariot, going back to the homeland, started and kept reading, soaking in everything that happened. And if that was the case, I'm telling you, God sealed this deal even more. God would be saying to him, you're not just included in the kingdom, and you're not just a citizen of this kingdom and a member of this family, but I'm going to use you in a powerful way. I'm going to give you a legacy of your own, even though you're a eunuch, right? So he's reading the scroll probably. Isaiah 53, does anybody know what comes after Isaiah 53? 
54. There we go. We've got some mathematicians over here. After 54 comes what? 55. And if you know what I'm talking about, after 55 comes what? 56, right? Chapter 56. Three chapters later, this chapter is tailored just to him. Words that were written 700 years before he was born. Now, just imagine how this guy felt as he's reading these words after he's baptized and, and met God on that road. Isaiah 56 says, let no foreigner, that's an Ethiopian, okay? Let no foreigner who is bound to the Lord say, the Lord will surely exclude me from his people, right? So he's saying, anybody who's not Jewish, anybody who's a foreigner, never say that the Lord will exclude you. And let no eunuch complain. Foreigner, Ethiopian, eunuch, right? Let no eunuch complain, I'm only a dry tree, I don't bear fruit. For this is what the Lord says, to the eunuchs who keep my Sabbath, who choose what pleases me and hold fast to my covenant, to them I will give within my temple, right? He couldn't even go to the temple. Within my temple and its walls, a memorial and a name better than sons and daughters. I will give them an everlasting name that will endure forever. Talk about being included. I mean, the reality is just amazing. It's humbling. It's awesome to see the great, mysterious work of God, the great lengths that God went to include the Ethiopian eunuch. And thank God Philip listened, right? Thank God Philip listened and went and heeded the Spirit's call. we, We don't know if Philip ever knew how this faith that he brought to the eunuch played out. In fact, Philip and the Ethiopian ultimately did not know how much God used them. But we do. Tradition says that uh, the eunuch became the father of Christianity for the entire continent of Africa. There are 685 million Christians in Africa, 53 million in Ethiopia. I'd say that's momentum, right? That's inclusive momentum. And talk about descendants, right? Talk about a memorial and a name that's better than sons and daughters. An everlasting name that will never be cut off. It's humbling. It's awesome to see the complexity and simplicity of God's word and work in the world, in our lives. But what does it have to do for us here, now, today, 2021? I think you can take from it today that God, first of all, he includes all people all nations in his family, in his mission, and you need to stop and remind that that includes you. You're like the Ethiopian eunuch. He has included you and me, and he's gone to great lengths to include you in his family. The God of the universe cares for you, and he has designed ways to reach you that you can't even begin to believe and fathom, just like Philip and the Ethiopian eunuch. Then on the other side of it, like Philip, perhaps he is pushing us to go from Jerusalem to Samaria, to the desert roads with the Ethiopian eunuch, the foreigner who has been excluded. The God of the universe desires to use you and me to change others' lives in ways that maybe we've never dreamed of. Just like Philip, hearing the Spirit's call. Just like the Ethiopian, 
Perhaps we should ask the question like him. Yeah, why shouldn't I? Why shouldn't we go? Amen?